0: Welcome to Hobbs & Friends. I am your host, Jason Hobbs, and as always, I have a wonderful guest, three-time guest, (laughs) Kevin Dungeon User Madison. How's it going, Kevin? Hey, Hobbs, good. How are you? I am wonderful, wonderful. I only stood you up twice so far for this, right?
1: (laughs) I knew that as soon as I had to go to uh, another podcast uh, to get you to
0: to respond to mine. So <laughs> that isn't that is not why. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: my buddy Anthony over at uh, Rude Slinger, uh, a YouTuber, he uh, hosted me last week, and lo and behold, I got an invite to Hobson Friends again.
0: <laughs> oh God. All right, everyone. So let me tell you a little bit about Kevin Madison. This is his third time on the show, but he always was just, I think, on as a buddy of mine that I played uh, Shadow the Demon Lord with, with a a mutual friend of ours. It wasn't just for his own (laughs) great nappy hairdo. It was (laughs) another reason. (laughs) So we should talk about that. Yeah. How do we know each other? Uh, That's how we met, though, playing in Jared's uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord game, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Jared's uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord game. Uh, Our buddy Jared Rasher, who uh, writes for... um, uh, What's that called? Gnome... Gnome Stew. Stew. Right, right. Um, A very prolific (laughs) reviewer. Um, Jared decided to run a 10-session or 11-session Shadow of the Demon Lord game. Uh, He gave an open call for a bunch of people, and a bunch of us joined, and that's how we met. And then... Uh, at the time, I was sort of getting into the OSR scene as well, too. And because you were a big presence in that, uh, especially on, on Google+, uh, we kind of kept in touch. And then, yeah, I mean, I, when I, I think you started jumping in on some games in, when I started running Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. Mm -hmm. And then you've been in quite a few of the games that I've run for the last year and a half now, Well, uh, coming up on two years. I
0: played in the Delta Green game before that, Astonishing Swordsman. And then, like, uh, I wanted to get into that Traveler game so bad, but for whatever reason, just didn't work out. Uh, And I played a little bit uh, once or twice. I think I showed up for your uh, Barrow Maze game.
1: Yeah, and then I played in your... Oh, uh, Kamada. Kamada game, yeah, yeah. I played the Idiot Mage uh in uh, benton reed the <laughs> third <So. laughs>
0: everyone's idiots in that game so you weren't special in that regard <laughs> that's special in that regard uh yeah uh, but you know what i have some questions about streaming down below in the main topic but it really isn't part of the main topic so i hadn't decided where we should talk about it so maybe we should start about your talk about your uh streaming channel Um, and I, you use YouTube Yep. uh, and you have what, a podcast, both the same name.
1: Yeah. I, uh, yeah, very, you know, creatively I've named the podcast (laughs) the same thing as the YouTube channel. Uh, the YouTube channel is the primary thing though. Like the, I've been streaming, uh, for about, uh, five years now. Uh, but really it's only been the last, uh, two years is when I've really been treating it a little more seriously instead of just, you know, throwing online the games that I have with my friends the last two years or so. Almost two years. We've been running games on Monday. No, sorry, on Wednesday and Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and then up until the time of the the current. If you're listening to this at the time of recording, the quarantine crisis. We were running rotating games, and then when the quarantine started, I sort of streamlined what we were running to allow more people to get to the table. But we've run a wide variety different games, um, and it's been with the people that we play with on the channel. It's all people that we've met over the course of streaming certain games and then especially now that we've got, I've set up a Dungeon Musings Discord server as well too. We've got people who have joined the the kind of player roster from that. Um, the podcast is really more of a lark. I don't do it as often. Typically, it's something I record on the way to to work. Um, just like your an- like anchor, is such that's a ridiculous.
0: Who would do that? No, no, no. It's a great <laughs> platform. Your random screen is a terrific one. It's
1: just it's. Uh, I find it very easy to kind of catch you know uh, time to mm-hmm. uh, to record a podcast, which is a real a, a real attraction about that. But like my. You know um i do some overviews on the channel as well too where it's overviews or reviews of games but those tend to be like two and a half hour Mm -hmm. stream of consciousness things and i really want to make sure i know a game and have something to say about a game before i do those so i don't do an awful lot of those
0: (laughs) Uh, so like two years ago i think that's probably really when i started playing more what made you decide to become a streamer and what made you decide to take it more seriously
1: um i guess uh to be honest i don't really know i mean i what i wanted to do um was to be able to play more games uh with you know to transition from doing what i used to do which was just play role-playing games with friends uh and instead run games for people who i like you know or people who i i you have a good fit with at the table and that's sort of what we fell into and then the you know, we had a bit of an audience that, that built over the course of those years, so as we got a chance to interact with more of the audience, that became a really fun part of the game as well, too. Not to the degree that, like some streamers do, like we don't do like donations mid-game and stuff like that. Um, our relationship with the streamers is uh, an adjunct to the, or to the viewers, is an adjunct to the actual play. Play is my primary responsibility is making sure everyone's having a good time. But really it was just, it was that, you know? And then I I knew that the way that I liked learning new games is watching people play them. And I tend to be pretty long-winded anyway. So when I'm running things and I'm explaining rules and things like that, as we go through them, It's, um, it can, it can provide a, a, uh, you know, if you're looking for something like I look for something when I'm trying to learn a game, it can be a helpful way to kind of wrap your head around it. Yeah. Uh, that's less the case now that we've got some really long-term games going and it's less spend, we spend less time explaining what's happening and whatnot, but, uh, that was really at a first.
0: Yeah. That's uh, I it, I think that's like when you were first on this show is when I think I talked to him, like, I don't know why anyone would ever want to watch streams or anything, but I'm streaming with you guys. (laughs) Yeah. so i mean and that was like two years ago believe it or not yeah yeah so <laughs> i think i must have you know i got you to do that no i'm just kidding about the parts. so <laughs> let's move on to our weekly gaming briefly which is going to be a little different uh than usual for me because we game a lot together so yes. <laughs> why don't you you want how is your week hobbs why don't we talk about <laughs> why don't you talk about the games that we're playing and we'll get into uh, the rest of it later, if you can. You saw what the main topic was. Sure.
1: So the three main games that we have, uh, or we've had in the last week together, have been our ongoing or ongoing um, Night Below campaign that we've been playing with a heavily house ruled version of AD and D Second Edition. Uh, that one is up to fifty seven sessions so far, so it's about. 170 hours of of play in that campaign so far <laughs> we've also been playing in we had our two sessions in our legacy of the crystal shard uh campaign that, that's our quarantine game uh on the dungeon musings youtube channel where we uh, like well like both games it's a rotating table so whoever happens to be available for that night that's whose characters are there and uh legacy of the crystal shard is a 2013 adventure that was originally published for the DD next you know kind of uh, play test period but we're using also AD&D second edition with the same house rules. Uh, For that one, that one's up to 24 or 25 sessions now. I think 25 was uh, yesterday. Uh, And then we also had a one-shot. Every year, uh, we have a charity fundraising that you're aware of, Hobbs, uh, that uh, we run on the channel called Heroes Save Villages. That is a uh, charity fundraising campaign to benefit SOS Children's Villages International which is a really cool organization that's active in over 130 countries and provides advocacy and and, uh, stable living environments for over 80,000 orphaned and abandoned children. And every year we offer, uh, in addition to our charity raffle, we also do uh, charity sessions. And our first of the charity sessions was this weekend. Someone had donated to uh, the campaign at the beginning of the year. They request a game, and then I run it for them or their friends or them and some of our friends uh, for four hours, (laughs) and then... (laughs) We, uh, yeah, uh, and this year, uh, the first one was from our, our buddy Arlen Walker, and he had requested, uh, it was neat because he just said, look, I want to play in a first century Roman game set on the frontier, and the way I decided to interpret that was to uh, use Savage Worlds to to run the game. Uh, so we had our Savage Worlds one-shot. That was kind of a weird mystery, you know, pulp kind of horror weird fiction kind of thing
0: yeah it was kind of i don't know i can't really think of anything that it really felt like that i would say oh it was just like stranger things but in rome or something because mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like that it was more like some weirdos go to investigate yeah, yeah. some weird stuff <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it's, it's funny because when i was trying to figure out how to so like sort of the elevator pitch for it when i was trying to uh promote the game and then also like promote the the actual stream uh was that weird fiction You know, it's that kind of like pre-comics pulp era where it's just a bunch of weird shit that's, you're just like, all right, all this is happening in the same place. (laughs) It's fine.
0: (laughs) Just accept it.
1: Comics are very, and I mean there was. I won't spoil the ending of it for anyone who wants to go and watch it, but there was a a, a surprise ending to it that sort of uh, added an additional level of twist to to the whole uh, endeavor.
0: I don't feel like your players gave you much satisfaction for that twist at the end. I don't know if they were tired or <laughs> if it ran so close, you know, to the end that so much <laughs> happened compressed at the end that they were just like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. But I feel like if uh, we could have paced that better, it might have been a more big reveal or something like that. But like. Like you say
1: no you got I got a reaction from you uh from it uh and the thing is is that not everyone else is as much of uh I'm a huge comics nerd (laughs) uh like I ran a comic store in the late 90s nice (laughs) like I'm just uh, so like and I love um I'm one of those insufferable comic fans that loves like deep canon and like you know deep cuts in the lore of the of the settings so You know the fact that one of you picked up what it was was good enough for me, and we just did not have time for a final fight. And honestly, I'm not sure that the final fight would have been. It wouldn't have added more to the overall experience anyway. We had one, you know, pretty good fight, and it was mostly an investigative game anyway.
0: Mm -hmm. I had a blast playing my character aspects. So, yeah, uh, I love being uh, as people from the gamerhood would know if they're in my games. uh, I love to have this lurid detail about everything, and so. have that opportunity to do that as a player in your games i mean you know not as much as a gm obviously but uh enough enough i think so i I really appreciated that i should mention that i did play in a weird vietnam war game Mm. on friday that's why i was late into the uh (laughs) night below game which was using the recon rules or deluxe recon, maybe. I don't even know. I was just playing. So I didn't, have you ever played anything like that before? So
1: I've always seen recon because it was one of the Pleiadian games. Right. And I, mm. but I never picked it up because you know, when you had the uh, option of playing Vietnam war uh, or playing like riffs saying, like, well, I could be a guy piloting a giant robot <laughs> with a railgun, or I could <laughs> be a guy fighting the Viet
0: Cong. Uh, <laughs> what? What are you trying to say? Yeah. I shouldn't be playing Vietnam games? What? Not at all. No, no. It's, it's really more just, it speaks more to the poor
1: choices of Teenage Kev than it was really anything else. Um, so I, it was you know, fun, though. Uh, Recon is one of those games I've never gotten into.
0: I, I can understand.
1: Yeah. It was... Uh, Does it have the same he, rules as as the Palladium, like the rest of the Palladium games?
0: I don't remember. I don't remember the Palladium games. I didn't play a ton of those. I played like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and... Yeah. Uh, some of that stuff, but uh, not a lot. Only like a year or two did we play that very much. Okay. I felt like I didn't like the character generation in that game because it was kind of rando and you could have a cool character or you could have a turtle or something, you know? It was also
1: a lot of bookkeeping for skills. Yeah. And not like interesting, like you had some decisions to make for your characters, but a lot of it was like, this is what your class is. So here's all the things go and find out what the percentages are later. <laughs> in the book. So it's just like, awesome. My, my game is mostly data entry. Fantastic.
0: Did you, you didn't play anything else, right? Or did you play like in an Harlan's game or that? Uh...
1: uh, no, not this week. No, I, um, I had, that was it. I think I had a Ash game. No, we had uh, two Icewind Dale's this weekend. Um, I think I had Ash... No, no, it's not true. I had Ash that weekend as well, too. I also played uh, Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer's of Hyperborea at the same weekend as the Weird War thing. And that was an interesting session because we had... Like, things really went off the rails. We had an <laughs> encounter that was way overpowered and the, the characters... I didn't telegraph well enough what the difficulty of the thing was and players didn't really... They, they missed the point that I was intending to be the way, or there's two different ways out. One of them got sealed by accident because someone hit a lightning bolt against a teleportation grid. Oh, boy. So, oops. <laughs> wow. So, it was neat. I mean, we ended up with this, I sort of leaned into the weird on that one. And we at the end of the session, we flash forward six months. Hmm. And our heroes have all been experimented on by the great race of Yith. So, a bunch of them have, like, mutations now. And they now find themselves in a jungle. Wow. So,
0: Holy cow. I, it I, was a really. There you go. I guess <laughs> it was a weird session. No kidding. All right. So nice. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on to everything about you. This is your third time, Kevin. Do you do you have something still that the people need to know about Kevin Madison that they don't know? <laughs> need. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely need.
1: <laughs> Gosh, what um, what would be a, a, an interesting? You go first, and I'll, I'll go afterwards. So
0: what's what's the thing that? Well, I think. I think mine have been getting lame because this is like the 65th one that I've done. Yeah, yeah. I wrote on here that every time... Have you told them about your sixth toe? uh, No. That's only for close (laughs) personal friends, Kevin, if you know what I'm saying. All right. Every time I feel like quitting, I become more committed. So the world gets me down, and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't even be doing Hobbs and Friends. I should just focus on streaming like Kevin Madison does, and then I could be a beast. I could beast that, but... I don't know. I I just feel like I need to be doing this show still, so I am. Yeah. That's it, guys. That's it. That's what you didn't know about me is that I thought about quitting and I didn't. Nice. So here I am. <laughs> awesome. What about you? You got something,
1: Kevin? So I got. I don't know. I I I can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but like this is my I think sixth year, sixth or seventh year now of doing an hour of drawing every day. Uh, every day I I take an hour out of my day to make sure I get an hour of drawing and. Some days are more productive than others, and and whatnot. And lately, what I've been doing is taking that time to do portraits of uh, some of the characters from our campaign and maps for some of our campaigns, and that's been a huge amount of fun. But that's the um, yeah, that's a, the thing that I can't remember if I mentioned last time.
0: I don't know if you were doing it then,
1: but it's that that plays into that change, though. You can't be doing the same thing all the time, though. You know, like you'll just—it's uh, a no surefire way. Uh, or more surefire way to burn out than just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, right? Like having that variety of, especially if it's just creative endeavors, having a variety of creative things on your plate is is a good way to keep everything fresh.
0: All right, man. yeah, people should check out Kevin's uh, art because it used to be like your uh, campaign posters and stuff like that. but then you do a lot of maps. Uh, just a lot of good stuff. He he's actually done some relentless work that I'm going to put in. So thanks, nice. yeah, man. It's 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 good. Uh, like they say, uh, everything gets better. If you want to get better at something, do it more often. So that's fantastic. All right, let's get into the main topic, yo. Yo, let's do it. <laughs> Oh, oh i did want to mention that you said arlen walker earlier <laughs> people you should check out live from pelham's wasteland yep that is arlen's deep dive into uh whatever arlen feels like deep diving into and he has a pretty interesting background yep. in uh literature and uh theory and just a lot of stuff that he applies to game design and uh, running games in general which um some really good analysis in ways that I am not. I'm not that kind of person. Most of the time, I don't even know why I do anything that I do. But he is pretty good at figuring those things out and then maybe helping you find the kind of game that you want to play or maybe why you even like playing the game that you do like playing. So, uh, pretty good show if you want mm-hmm. to know about. I, I'm not saying he's as charismatic as me or Kevin, but uh, smarter, maybe. Uh, smarter than me. <laughs> I won't say smarter than Kevin, but smarter than me. Anyhow. <laughs> All right, so we came up with this, I don't I mean I came up with it cuz I asked you in the when we were playing uh, Legacy of the Crystal Shard that the new uh 5th edition book adventure was going to be Rhyme of the Ice Maiden, Frost Maiden. Oh, Frost Maiden. I wrote yep. Ice Maiden on my notes. I better fix that cuz when I put it out everyone'll make fun of me. Kind of <laughs> like someone made fun of me t- uh the other day on Random Screed cuz I don't know how to say Varus Militude. <laughs> I was saying, I, I think I've been practicing, but the thing is, is when he told me how to say it, I think he said it wrong. And so then I went on, you know, the, when you go on to dictionary.com or whatever, you put the, yep. you can hit it and then they go like, verisimilitude or whatever. Yep. <laughs> verisimilitude, <laughs> verisimilitude, is that it? Verisim-
1: verisimilitude.
0: That's what I think I was saying though. And then he was yep. saying he laughed at me or whatever. And I, I don't blame him because I hate it when people can't pronounce things correctly myself and so that was even funnier what I mean if you're doing an audio show a podcast you should probably be pronouncing things the right way
1: you know what here's what I think is uh because I've done it too I had a friend who in uh, for th- those who aren't familiar in my day job I'm a lawyer uh, so and kindly don't hold that against me but I had a friend <laughs> who in open court kept saying um pre- uh, prevalent prevalent oh and after he kept saying prevalent prevalent I when we left I'm like I'm pretty sure that's not I'm pretty sure that word's pronounced prevalent. And then he was like, no, 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 no. So then we went <laughs> back and I played it for him over and over again. Like I kept hitting the thing like prevalent, prevalent, prevalent. And I feel like a shit heel afterwards because like I would much rather people try out words like that th- and then get them wrong than not try using them. Like, you know, those $10 words are a shit ton of fun to try and to work into your vocabulary and to shame people into not using them. Fuck that
0: yeah well no i i wasn't shamed by him i don't blame him like i said i'd rather have someone tell me uh because i mean i said uh detritus wrong for a long time and <laughs> yeah. to mess how many in people to... did you
1: know growing up who pronounced
0: paladin wrong too <laughs> that's me and i did you just say that because i told you that story before no oh. <laughs> no
1: I, I knew someone as well too it was, it was paladin i'm like what
0: that's how <laughs> i we always said it was paladin and someone finally goes didn't you watch the goddamn TV show? <laughs> i like, I didn't even know there was a TV show. What are you talking about? But. That's
1: okay. It's only until recently we were calling it Melee, uh, and it's only recently someone freaked out on the YouTube channel. Sony's now blocked, so enjoy that. You <laughs> <dick>. <laughs> but they corrected us on it as oh Melee. All right, well. All right,
0: so what the hell? Let's get back. Let's get this show back. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I called this topic there and back again because I feel – I don't remember what we talked about exactly, but I feel like there has become a prevalence of prevalence. Did I just say that wrong? (laughs) No, you said it right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's been a, a, well, this has always been happened, where they're kind of, they don't make a lot of new product, official D&D product, without going back to old things and then updating them. What I find interesting is you're taking even some newer things and then like kicking them back like night below, you're running in second edition, a uh, legacy of the crystal shards, second edition. Um, what do you, what, <laughs> I guess we do that in a lot of things though, uh, mm. modern day, we trying to redo everything. But I guess what I really wanted to ask you is, do you think *Rhyme of the Frost Maiden* will be will build on *Legacy of the Crystal Shard*, like *Legacy of the Crystal Shard* built on the original Crystal Shard, or do you think it's going to have? Is it just a remake?
1: So I, uh, so at the time of recording of this, they we've had uh, a little bit more information come out about it, like with concept art, or at least not not concept art, but art from the uh, the actual book and some of the content that's going to be included in it. One thing I'll say is that the content that's in that is definitely much more the type of sensibilities you've seen in products over the last five years or so, uh, well, four years, probably any of the post like critical role stuff or post acquisitions incorporated stuff. Cause some of the stuff seems a little, one of the magic items, for instance, is a scroll of Tarrasque summoning.
0: Oh, I did see something about that on Twitter.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a magic item that's in it. That's effectively a, a talking Billy bass, but it's, it's magical. That's in one of the things. So, um, but then there's also some really... There's a picture that they've uh, put around that is... I wish I'd seen this before our recent uh, arc in our Night Below campaign because it's a vampiric knoll, mm. and it looks amazing. And like, there's the bit of like the, the sort of mixed bag, but also a lot of sort of... Not silly, but... And it's not gonzo in the way that old school gonzo stuff is, but it's sort of like the playful stuff that we whimsy yeah absolutely and that is uh that tone is definitely absent from the legacy of the crystal shard campaign and i think that there's probably going to be some fairly serious stuff in um you know in uh rhyme of the frost maiden in the sense that like there's a way you could lean into the more you know serious stuff and ignore like the talking billy bass (laughs) things but if you look back at, like, say, uh, today, uh, they announced that they're doing, a, like, a deluxe version of Curse of Strahd. Uh, so I was sort of thinking about that campaign, and I didn't care for that one all that much because of a lot of the, the silly stuff that's in there. Mm-hmm. It's not silly in the way that, like, old school stuff was, where it was just weird and, like, didn't make sense. You know, like, all right, I
0: guess this is what's Oh, happening. God. Here it, comes the hate mail. No, <laughs> no, well, <look. laughs> for Kevin Madison.
1: I'm not saying it's wrong to run it that way. That's totally fine. Everyone run their game however they want to run their game. Um, it's But you can't call it not weird. Like, it's definitely weird. It's just weird's <laughs> <it's> not bad.
0: <laughs> veggie pygmies?
1: Yeah, like it's like a something <laughs> like Awesome. That's if that's your bag. Great. That's going to be a great adventure for you. But this, this stuff feels more... It, yeah, it's more pop culture, I think. And maybe that's what that stuff was in the old school as well, too. But I, I, there's not a lot of that in... Uh, legacy the crystal shard like legacy of the crystal shard plays much closer to the kind of i don't know it's kind of what you saw in the novels like in the forgotten realms novels i haven't read a forgotten realms novel in forever but i mean mm-hmm. when i read them they didn't include a lot of like self-referential stuff or sort of fourth wall breaking stuff that was references to pop culture correct and the modules really do that uh, now so that's definitely one difference i don't think you and i had talked before about whether it's going to carry on with the same adventure mm-hmm. i don't think so at, at this point i think there's some some elements i can't really get into because well it'll spoil <laughs> legacy of the crystal shard uh but i think there there may be some elements they're capturing but they definitely added a bunch of new material and they added on a whole swack of new designers as well too uh to the to the game or to the uh, for that product too
0: so you think it'll be similar similar to the legacy of the crystal shard building on the lore of the crystal shard again so it'll just be like farther into the future or different located somewhere different or um i think what they what
1: what i'll bet you could see just based on what they've released so far is i'll bet you that the rough structure of uh legacy the crystal shard is probably going to be recognizable in it um like i mean i absolutely could be wrong about that but just there is a you know, you guys have encountered the White Witch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in your campaign. The Frost Maiden, presumably. Yeah, so I mean, presumably that's that's what's going to carry over there. But um, a lot of the other elements they've added in uh, seem new. Um, I, I do hope that they make use of the art uh, from Legacy of the Crystal Shard, at least the maps, because the maps are f- phenomenal. Like uh, they did use a lot of the maps from uh, Murder in Baldur's Gate in Descent into Avernus. Those things ended up getting duplicated in there as well as some of the art. So I imagine they're going to repurpose some of those art assets, which is really good because... It is good. Legacy of the Crystal Shard doesn't have as much of a wide circulation as what a lot of the other modules do. So that'll be cool. And it's going to be... I'm I'm sure it's going to be a cool adventure. The setting of uh, Icewind Dale is just a neat... You know, it's a neat remote location with some cool built-in... You know, it's it's that kind of like... um, I don't know. Um, you, it's that, like, horror trope where you, where you first thing you do is you isolate the heroes. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you guys, you, you don't have someone you can call on quite easily. You're, you're stuck in dealing with, you know, whatever is going on in that region. You're out there on your own, so.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I like the factions. Have you ever uh, uh, played in the Icewind Dale before? No. No. I read those original novels forever ago, but... Uh... No, this is the first time I played, but I like the factions. I like. I did not know anything about the Luskin tie-ins. I didn't know any of that when I made my character tie into that. It just worked for the guy that I was playing. Mm-hmm. But I really did like when we got to that. Uh, when finally, I don't remember if it was the Dane or if it was von Benrubi who finally asked, you know, why do you guys do all this? And then the the speech that came from Store, you know, basically saying that we're all outcasts and we just want somewhere to be really felt real and honest and that was kind of a really cool moment Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone else thought so but I did I felt like hey that was honest and I didn't even realize it at the time you know and I like those moments
1: Well, it's funny because you asked me before too, like we've been, for those listening at home, the way that that particular campaign was set up was uh, to provide a way for as many of the players in our player roster on the channel uh, to get to the table because, you know, we knew we were all going to be locked up. At the time, we had no idea how long it was going to be. And I also wanted to streamline things because I had to move in the middle of the pandemic as well too. So it was just a, it was a bit of a nightmare uh, trying to keep as many games going. And I, and uh, for the viewers as well, too, it was a good place to jump on and then, you know, have a story you could follow during while we're all stuck at home together. But you asked me last weekend uh, whether, you know, like, how long do we think we're going to go for, for our two e-games? Um, and I, you know, I, I said that, well, the Night Below campaign, I got no intention of stopping that. When when we feel like it's going to stop, then we'll, we'll stop playing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we're, you know, cruising towards uh, 60 sessions already. So, I mean... That hopefully we will keep the momentum up with that. But the Legacy of the Crystal Shard one, um, I asked the guys. I was like, well, I, you know, because I didn't have the adventure itself has an end point, but I wasn't sure when, you know, we really wanted to get there. Everyone else seems to have as much buy in with their characters as what uh, you do. Uh, so, you know, the, which is great because I, I've been trying different things with second edition with that particular campaign than I have been in our Night Below campaign. It's a little more story driven, a little more, Mm -hmm. you know, set piece, uh, you know, focused, more like a traditional, you know, modern role playing game as opposed to the sandboxy stuff. And um, I think a big part of that comes from the agency you get as players for choosing what you want to engage with. Like there's stuff going on in it. And I think, and you can correct me because you're the you're seeing it from the player's perspective, but seeing the consequences of the stuff you don't choose, I think gives it uh, more of, if not just a positive feedback, but also a negative kind of like, shit, we didn't do X, Y, Z, and now things have gotten worse over there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying, but I wouldn't say that's a modern game thing. That's exactly what happens in most hex crawl type games, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's a hex crawl, but it's definitely a sandbox game. And so when the players choose things, most GMs are still going to have stuff moving forward beyond them. That's what you want. You want that faction interplay that uh, makes it feel real. I'm not even going to say the word because I'm going to yeah. say it wrong. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah ferris militude. <laughs> it feels like a, cre-
1: a credible world yes, how about that yes, there's something
0: yes. a- <laughs> I it's easy right. yeah yeah i agree
1: and that and that's it i mean i think like some people did i think that a lot of the adventures the old school adventures were more sandboxing and whatnot but i think that if people are being honest that's more either the way people some people ran their games you know back in the day or it's something that people have realized you can do with those games now mm-hmm. th- thanks to the you know the old school renaissance of people being self-conscious about how those games how the best versions of those games work but there's few modules that expressly set that up back in the day you know like i feel like when some people talk about like modern play versus old school play it's glomming in sort of a rose colored view of what old school play used to be like without the benefit of the self reflection that's come from you know the last ten years of old school reflection of what that type of play was when it was at its best.
0: Mm, so maybe that's what the new OSR is—is is a, a reflection of the OSR, the old school revival of the old. Ah, never mind. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so <clears throat> I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think rhyme of the frost maiden name throws to the rhyme of the ancient mariner?
1: I think that it is a. Well, it's not a rhyme rhyme.
0: Never has been though.
1: Oh, hasn't Oh, um it could be.
0: Rhyme of the Ancient Manor isn't an actual rhyme either.
1: Oh, then it could very well be uh I I don't know one word there. I mean, I, if if it is, it's a double entendre then because it's it's playing on the the idea of frost forming on surfaces and also the sort of whatever the reference is to the to the poem.
0: And it's also like I Basically, the rhyme is the ancient mariner returning to his own country. And so I kind of wondered if they were like a play on returning to the Icewind Dale or something.
1: Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's really uh, for the release schedule they've had for the adventures uh, to date... The only one that they've released so far that really doesn't feel like, hey, let me give you my modern riff on this classic thing was the Eberron, bo- the Eberron Rising for the Last War book. And that's not true. The, the two magic books, those are definitely a step into a brand new territory as well. But the adventures at least, like the giant one is, you know, hey, here's our riff on, you know, the...
0: Yeah, they all are, right. And why do you think that is? And it's not just WotC either. I mean, because you look at Goodman Games, it's been doing those or books i don't remember what it stands for but yeah uh, it's just basically going back and doing all the old modules but they're taking the actual old module and then adding content to it and i'm not saying that the osr or anywhere else doesn't have new unique i mean this is a golden age of role playing games definitely i yeah. b- totally believe that i've been doing it my whole life now for almost whatever 42 years or whatever so why do you think is i mean is why can't anyone have anything new and when was the last time they actually did Keep on the Borderlands? Why haven't they done that yet? I guess Or did, but... Yeah.
1: There's a couple of things wrapped up in it, I imagine. Uh, you know, And this is said as someone who does not publish a game, doesn't write games or whatever. Also, this is just some Yahoo's opinion. <laughs> but I'll bet you it has something to do with the fact that, for one, you're servicing your pre-existing audience uh, that with by going back to those wells they've done that with third edition they did that with second edition they did that with fourth edition you know there's a tomb of annihilation for i think every edition of the game so far not uh not tomb of annihilation but the the Mm -hmm. um what's it called Uh, tomb Tomb of horrors yeah uh for for including fourth Mm -hmm. i think and there's a giant's adventure for every edition uh by giving people the thing that they you know, that they like and they remember, I imagine that there's an attraction there, but also putting it together into a new twist that has a much, even more of a story focus than what 2nd Edition did. Like, there's that, that transition period between 1st and 2nd with uh, Ravenloft and the Dragonlance Chronicles. That's sort of what shifted the game towards more of a story-based play as opposed to a module-based play. And with the way that the new audience, like the, the people who have come into d d with 5th edition through podcasting, through streaming and things like that, I think they want that story arc as well. So you're also playing to that mm-hmm. audience. You know, the fact that those books sell so, or seem to sell so well, um, as opposed to the, like, I don't know how well the, the magic book uh, sold the first one, the um, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, but it clearly sold well enough for them to, justify that most recent one theros yeah do another one like it seemed like a no-brainer like why not try and tap into that existing magic market and bring them into dnd and i guess that is more successful so for going back to those things that's probably why because you're capturing both like that if you're going to think of like there's older players and there's newer players that's satisfying both of them and then games like like certain things like the acquisitions yeah. incorporated book that's really going to be more for the new players than it is for the old school players uh, Ravnica and um Theros probably is for those newer players as well
0: but they're trying to tap into their other their other you know thing magic by you know bringing players yeah. back
1: both ways right and you know, what I think that where the uh, where the diversity comes, because you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right about this being a different time than, because in the night, like uh, the uh, early 2000s with the the third edition, with the open game license, we saw a ton of stuff come out, but like 95% of that stuff was garbage. Mm. You know, it was terrible production quality, terrible rules, it, it wasn't good. There was good stuff that came out of that. The Pathfinder stuff, the Freeport stuff was very good. Um, the Iron Kingdom stuff was quite good, but it wasn't the same market they were playing to still, uh, uh, you know, uh, bigger than it was before, but not the gaming market they've got now with 5th edition. With 5th edition, though, and this is foremost in my mind because of some Kickstarter stuff coming in, but think of the diversity of the Kickstarter stuff that's come out, you know, that's occupying that space. Like, the... the. Um, Dragon Lords, uh, or Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, was an amazing. Before Theros came out, was an amazing fifth edition version of like the classics, the Greek classics and such. Um, there's a new one that came out now called Grim Hollow. That's a dark fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, um, you know, there's a being kickstarter right now a, a fantasy setting set in uh medieval Philipp, uh, philippines uh, uh kobold press their midgard setting has a, a bunch of different stuff so yeah there are high production quality books that are coming out setting aside the dm's guild as well right that has a ton of other crap both digital and otherwise mm-hmm. so i i'll uh, I imagine what Wizards was realizing is they can just let the secondary market, or not the second, not the secondary market, but the peripheral market mm-hmm. take care of some of those more niche items and take the risk of those uh, niche items as well. Because if, you know, there's not going to be everyone who's going to want to play every book that comes out, but it allows with, and Kickstarter wasn't a thing in the early 2000s as well, too. Yeah. You know, so with that, it's just one good, you know, media buzz and suddenly you, you've funded your book about playing D in Grimm's fairy tales, you know,
0: <laughs> and... <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well, I wasn't quite exactly sure how to talk about that topic exactly, but I think we covered most of the things I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So a new, uh, you haven't done this yet. And this is a new segment of the show What? where I ask, <laughs> I wasn't warned. <laughs> you, it's on the, it's on the outline. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> legacy or epitaph you choose. What's your legacy? Because now you're kind of an OSR guy. You're in the old school. Uh, what would your legacy be? Or if you had to, would what would your epitaph be? My
1: legacy or my epitaph?
0: Uh, you choose. Yeah, which one? And then tell us.
1: Well, hopefully I haven't got there yet. I mean, you know, the, um, the nice thing with uh, being at this stage of the channel is that we're growing, right? So, like, we're not – I'm not sure I'm at the point where I'm going to – Um, But one of the things that George said, actually, that was really nice uh, when we, I think it was when we hit like 2,000 subs, uh, which was um, sometime around Christmas-ish, was the comment about the community, you know, and um, we've seen in recent, at the time of recording at least, in recent times we've seen a lot of... Bad stuff coming from certain communities and fan communities and and whatever. Mm-hmm. The experience I've had thus far with everybody we've met, uh, not only like the the roster players, but everyone who's become viewers or joined the Discord server and whatnot, um, having a place to, I don't know, to meet nice people <laughs> and talk about, you know, games and reasons, and you know, you can talk about differences without being hyper-partisan and whatever. If um if and the comments that I get back from uh the most constructive things from my overviews my very very long overviews is that they're (laughs) comprehensive and they're fair and i would hope that that's the the thing that i would you know i'm not uh trying to Mm, advocate that someone do things my way Uh, i don't want i want people to walk away thinking there's all sorts of different ways to do things and here's here's how i do things or why i feel a certain way about this kind of gaming and why and then you can make up your mind for yourself as to whether that's the a right fit for you or whether you know that might inform a different approach or whatever. So,
0: yeah, that would be a long epitaph.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Is that shocking for me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I mean, that uh, to me that's cool. In many ways, I feel like the games that I run on the Gamerhood are pretty uh, mostly because people aren't running old school games tactically like that but you kind of do too in some ways Mm -hmm. because you're now you're running second edition D &D and you're using tokens and uh, both of us use gabriel picard maps and uh dynamic lighting and we do a lot of things um your games are very different than mine and both are good i'm not saying like it's bad Mm -hmm. or anything like that but we both kind of are And I think people come in there and they're like, oh, they show up in the YouTube chat room and they're all just like, oh, wow, you're playing second edition. And they seem, there is definitely, you get this feeling of nostalgia from that community that's built up, even if they're not in the Discord and they just go into the YouTube chat or whatever. So I think that that's happening for sure. And that's great. I'm seeing
1: also some some fifth edition players too, who have been not, I mean, the majority of the folks that we we see comment or whatever on things uh, have been, uh, second edition players who you know have lapsed or whatever but i have seen i don't know um like even five in the last say two three months who have come through i did that overview of uh second edition why play second edition as opposed to a modern edition it's been interesting seeing people see i guess and this is something i got from yours like the, the terrific thing about your actual play uh sessions is it shows you um especially in your Kalmata games the the cre- the benefit of having a persisting credible world mm. you know that's something i drew from when i was watching some of your games and when i played in your games i'm like oh that is amazing because it feels like this is a, pers- a world that persists beyond my individual character's thing for fifth edition players it's just it's not better or worse it's just it's a different kind of way it's a different way of interacting with the story and how the mechanics uh, prioritize certain aspects of your character's interaction with the world You know, and it's interesting seeing people who are like, I'm not I don't like X thing about fifth edition right now. And this looks like it might actually satisfy that better, particularly uh, player lethality. Right. (laughs) Like,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, well, that's it's always been uh, a point of contention uh, with old school gamers. Some people say that, you know, they're excited about fifth edition because more people are playing and uh, that'll maybe be a doorway or a gateway into, you know, the type of style that old, old school gamers like. But the other ones are like, oh, no, they'll never be. They don't play anything like us. They're playing a different game. But I think that is evidence to the contrary, that it, it is, in fact, the possible yeah. for people to come into 5e and then find older older games and find uh, an appreciation for them. So, awesome.
1: Well, with the proliferation of, of uh, third-party uh, fifth edition stuff as well, too, I mean, I... How many people do you think run 5th edition rules as written and that's it? <laughs>
0: you know? They say nobody does, right? <laughs> no,
1: like, I mean, like 5th edition is, and I mean, 2nd edition, the funny thing that uh, people seem to, sometimes, sometimes, not always, but sometimes people forget is how much of 2nd edition was modular and optional. Because mm-hmm. I've had people try to correct me in, in past of like, you know, well, you know, uh, you don't use critical hits, but it's part of the game. And it's like, no, it's it's not. <laughs> it's an optional component. <laughs> critical hits ain't either. It's mentioned in the game, but it uh, ain't uh, it ain't mandatory. And that's the fun thing, is that I think if, uh, the nice thing with some of these, with seeing more people play I think uh, old school games that are more explicitly house ruled, I think that can make it a more welcoming kind of place for For those fifth edition players who can realize that you can, there's not an extreme here. There's not two notches on this of like you're playing in this way or this way. Like there's all sorts of ways you can modulate your game to play the way you have the experience at the table. Like you say, like you and I both run old school games, but mine definitely leans more towards a modern style, like sensibilities with Mm -hmm. character durability and stuff like that. Only because of that weeping phone call I got from you when your character almost died, you know?
0: (laughs) Uh, 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 That is true. You said you wouldn't tell anyone. I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) First the sixth toe, and now this. God damn it, Madison. All right. I got to wrap this
0: up. (laughs) Let's talk about how much the community is awesome, and we'll start with my patrons. I always give three shout-outs. Today is kind of weird. The way I normally do it is I get it get the list, and then I roll randomly who I'm going to shout out. Mm-hmm. And so the first roll was Stu Clark here on the Gamerhood. He plays in uh, on Tuesdays when I was running Lost in Agata. He's in that campaign. Yep, uh, And he got his brother to play the Midlands, uh campaign and his brother is the other shout out today tim clark so i rolled randomly out of whatever it is 60 people or whatever i happened to get two people that were yep. brothers and then the third one was someone else. i was like man these must be the only two brothers that are both patrons of Hobbs and friends and then i rolled the third one and it was darren green who is the brother of colin green who, both of those guys are patrons <laughs> as well and i was like it's a family affair what's happening here i i don't even know but uh That's awesome. Anyway, I really want to tell those three how much I appreciate them being patrons of Hobbs & Friends. Uh, I would not always come back if it probably wasn't for that group. I do love it, and I do think it fulfills... Uh, Something within me and within, I won't say the industry, but at least the community that has grown up around it, like at the Auto Dungeon Discord or even over there at Dungeon Musings or the Low Fantasy Gaming or all the places that I end up hanging out uh, in the shattered uh, diaspora after uh, G+. (laughs) So anyway, if you want to become a patron of Hobbs & Friends, go to www.patreon.com forward slash OSR and Hobbs Uh, the music for Hobbs and friends is so wonderfully provided by TJ Drennan Uh, go find his patron he does awesome bumpers and um, transitions uh, musical transitions for your podcast so check it out all right Uh, what about you you want to mention your patron
1: uh i don't want to mention that what i will mention is that from uh now uh time of recording up until september 1st 2020 um we are having our annual charity raffle on uh the dungeon musings uh, uh youtube channel um the h- uh, initiative is called heroes save villages and it benefits as i said at the uh, beginning of the episode the sos children's villages international charity Uh, From now until September 1st, 2020, for every $25 Canadian that's donated, you get one chance to win our grand prize uh, or one of our other prizes. Uh, The grand prize is a copy of the Gold Edition Eberron Rising from the Last War box set donated by our amazing friends at uh, Beetle and Grimm, uh, who make these beautiful deluxe editions of 5th Edition D&D Adventures. Uh, If you don't win that, um, there is still a ton of other great stuff, including two copies of The Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea Core Rulebook. Uh, There's uh, The Monsters Know What They Do by Keith uh, Amon. There is a chainmail dice bag made by one of our regular players, Dave uh, Fortier. Uh, Hobbs has uh, very generously donated some of his amazing zines uh, as prizes and we got a bunch of stuff from the dungeon musings red bubble store as well too so some posters some t-shirts and then uh, recently also some bigger items as well some um, either art blocks or uh, uh, mugs or um, water bottles so there's a ton of great prizes and and the best thing is is all donations go to uh, sos children's villages international Uh, none of it goes to myself none of it goes to my channel all of it goes to help the kids who benefit from their services Uh, and if you want to donate you can go to uh any of you can go to the dungeon musings uh, youtube channel and on any of our recent episodes you will find a link in the description of our videos uh you can also find uh find it by doing a search for heroes save villages and uh google should point you in the direction of the um the donation page for that
0: and thanks hobbs it'll be in the show notes too if you want to uh, put that link put a link in the show notes down here and then i always put that out to the patrons yeah
1: yeah I'll, uh, i'll send that to you as well
0: so that'll be available all right so uh kevin another question for you sir if someone wanted to talk about what kind of hero you are how would they get in touch with you
1: uh if they wanted to reach me uh you can reach me on twitter at dungeon musings Uh, so dungeon musings uh, on twitter my email address is dungeon musings at gmail.com and then of course you can join me and Hobbs on the dungeon musings discord server which you can find a link to uh, I'll send you the link to that as well too for the show notes for this and on any of the... Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess you can find me four times a week as well on the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel. So you're welcome to join us and me too. Hobbs is there most days as well. So that's how they reach me. Uh,
0: yeah, just put those links right in that document that, really? that I sent you, the outline. Yep. That's what I do. Uh, if you, I also have a Twitter. It is at OSRNHobbs or you can check out my private Twitter. Uh, at Hobbs Indeed. We have a Hobbs and Friend Facebook group. Discord seems like a place that I spend some time on. We got the Audio Dungeon Discord uh, where you can find all the people that do podcasts almost uh, in the, uh, on an anchor that is uh, RPG podcasting uh, or where I hang, I, like you said, Dungeon Musings. And I also have the Gamerhood Discord that uh, I'm working on that it will be uh, specially color coded for patrons and all that, which will be fun. I used to have a meui, but I just I just don't go there anymore. Yeah, but man, I think I think that covers it. You got any last famous words that aren't your epitaph? Anything else you want to say? Anna no? wanted
1: to say something, of course. But uh, all right, well, yeah.
0: nice to have Anna Banana on. <laughs> all right, people, I really appreciate all you guys being here. Kevin, uh, it was wonderful having you here. Uh, I think that that's kind of a, a an obscure, vague topic, but. There's definitely a lot of good content there, so I appreciate you being here. And, of course, appreciate you being my GM uh, in all those games, man. Of course. I appreciate it. For you guys out there, you know what to do. Stay alive. You got a job. Uh, We love you. And uh, keep it up. I don't know how to turn this off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. It's very long, Kevin, and it's all your fault. So, TJ, (laughs) take it away. It's a beautiful day in the game, oh, a beautiful day for my gamers. Would you be one? Could you be one? up that plunder, but don't despair. This colony's breeding red robbers. Would you be one? Could you be one? If the 80% mortality rate works for you, for a few bucks a month you can sign up and have the hogs kill you so let's make the most of another someday brew up some coffee and play it my way would you be mine could you be mine won't you be my gamers won't you be won't you please please won't you be my gamers The views, information, or opinions expressed by those interviewed during the Hobbs & Friends podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Hobbs & Friends and its staff. Hobbs & Friends is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series, available for listening on any platform of delivery. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform its listeners about the tabletop gaming industry. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising which is incorporated into or placed in association with or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the express approval and knowledge of the Hobbs & Friends podcast creator is forbidden. You may not edit modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Hobbs & Friends podcast site assume no liability for any activities in the connection with this podcast or for the use of this podcast in connection with any other website, computer, or playing device.